0: Hey there, Freedom Fighters. My name is Andrew Warner. I'm the founder of Mixergy, where I interview entrepreneurs about how they built their businesses. I think what we don't talk enough about as entrepreneurs is how freaking difficult it is. We talk about how great it is. The worst, by the way, Rory. Rory O'Connor is my guest here today. Rory, the worst is when entrepreneurs say, you never have a boss. Like if having a boss is so terrible, then, does, then what are you saying about your employees who work for you, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, this idea you never have a boss, you always there's always somebody to report to. You've got your stakeholders, yeah. Uh, your employees, you've got your investors. You know, there's always somebody that you've got to that you've got to report to. Uh, however, you know, you do have probably a lot more decision, decisions that you can make. So yeah, there is there is an advantage. To You're being saying an you get to
0: have more say over your life and over your business and over your career. I I accept that. The, and I think that we one of the things that we don't talk about is, yes, we talk about the options. Yes, we talk about the upside. Yes, we talk about how we can be creative. What we don't talk enough about is something that you told our producer about, which is the big challenge of when you're almost going to fail. I mean, you, Rory, are a person who had great jobs, a great career. You decide you're going to start a company. You see a problem. You jump in there. Meanwhile, you've got a family to take care of. And some of these stories that you told our producer are freaking heartbreaking. I don't know why you didn't say to yourself, I am being too cruel to my family. I should just give this whole thing up. But thank God that you didn't because as a result of it, you've built a phenomenal company that we're here to talk about. And I want to learn how you built it up. I want to learn how you recovered from those dark days so that I and other entrepreneurs in my audience who are building our companies can draw on your experiences to build ours. All right. So let me introduce Rory properly. Rory O'Connor is the founder of Scurry. Here's what they do. You know, when there's an online store today and they have to ship to lots of different customers and there are lots of different shippers that they could use. And they have to figure out which one to use where well, Rory's software scurry. will pick it for them, pick the right, uh, shipper. And you know, you also have to print out labels so that you can handle the shipping properly with each shipper. Well, Rory's company will do that too. And you know how their customers, these online stores, uh, want to know where their product is. Well, Scurry does that too. And so much more. I invited him here to talk about how he built it up, where he got the idea, how he recovered from those difficult moments. And then that big transition that he made that changed everything, but destroyed a lot in the short term, I want to find out about too. So we're going to find out all that. Thanks to two phenomenal sponsors. The first, you know about if you're hosting a website, whether it's an online store or a blog or anything else, go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy. The second, you know about lots of different software that you can use for email marketing. The one that will take care of you, even if you don't want to pay anything, is the one that you probably don't know about. And I want to introduce you to Send In Blue and tell you to go get them for free at slash Mixergy. But Rory, I'll talk about those later. First, I'm going to ask you one of the hardest questions. Is it fair to say that you're doing millions a year in revenue and millions
1: in euro? Yeah. And are you profitable? We are profitable now. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right, I've got some more details here in front of me, but I, I respect your need to be uh, especially quiet about this. This thing started because you noticed the problem yourself. Where did you see the shipping problem?
1: Yeah, my, the original problem that I saw was uh, trying to get some good ship for me as a consumer. Uh, so I had been in the background working in logistics Uh Uh, myself. uh, And I needed to get uh, a couple of uh, Ally rims for my car to be shipped from a person that was selling them on a classified site. And I thought this would be really simple. I just, you know, kind of ring up a shipping company and, uh, you know, organize a shipment from one side of the country to the other. And I found out that I had to have an account um, I had to have, you know, have have set up an account and go through a lot of kind of uh crazy details, really, just to get a shipment. And the prices then were crazy because I wasn't doing a regular shipment. Um, so I said, you know, there must be a better way than this. And you know what? That was- I
0: I was ready to dismiss that and say maybe it's Ireland, it's an issue there, right? That's what we're talking about from one part of Ireland to another. But I realized that. I, at times, have had to ship things out myself from the house, and FedEx and UPS, from what I remember, requested um, an account also, and then it was kind of a hassle. What I ended up doing was, first of all, at my office, there's somebody who ships it out, but if it's from my house, I go over to one of these UPS stores or the FedEx exactly. stores, and they do it. Did you not have that in, in Ireland? Did you not have it at the time?
1: No, and uh, we didn't we didn't have as much coverage, but also... Uh, the variety. So parcels are a little bit easier, but when you've got something that's like a set of uh, alloy rims that needs to go on a pallet, so it's less than load. It just got a, It just was a bit more complicated. So um, yeah, I was. Uh, the idea originally was a one-stop shop that could ship anything for a consumer, and um, yeah, came up came up with that idea from my own problem.
0: And this was you saying, "I'm going to start a business." You then went to Enterprise Ireland, which helped you think about this. What's Enterprise Ireland?
1: So it's an agency in Ireland that helps entrepreneurs actually build businesses and businesses that are built to export either products or services.
0: And that's where you connect. They actually introduced you to Eric Reese, the creator of the Lean Startup.
1: Yes, they did. They had a fantastic program, which was kind of like an accelerator program. And they introduced us to Eric Reese, And uh, yeah, I got to to meet Eric, who's actually sat and talked to me about, you know, how I should uh, change my uh, approach to software development from uh, which it was waterfall at the time to to lean. Can you describe
0: where you were, how far you'd gone before Eric said, try this other way so that we can see the before and after?
1: Yeah, we were ready to, we were almost ready to, to ship the product. Um, we had to put in a payment engine was the last bit. And Eric actually said to me, do you know what? Um, why don't you just ship your product and try and get some c- customers on the website now? And if you get a customer, let's collect a check. And uh, never mind putting on the payment engine, because I bet you, you'll have a lot more problems of people uh, coming on and just bouncing off your website before yeah. you actually get to collect any money he said accept checks just to see he, if anyone well, he, knew, it. he knew that i wasn't going to get i was going to have so many problems that i probably wouldn't have got somebody true to, uh, oh. to, to the to to the to the landing page and to payment page
0: meanwhile how far along had you
1: gotten before you talked to him uh so we had kind of built everything um except for the payment engine we were just plugging the payment engine in at that stage yeah
0: Okay. And then you, to your credit, I I think a lot of people would have said, I'm just so close. Eric might be right if we started in the beginning, but we're a little bit further along than he anticipates. Let's forget it. You actually said, I'm going to take his point to heart and you did start selling.
1: We actually put up a, um, we put up a, uh, yeah, a a Google uh, AdWord account there and then and launched the the site, throw some customers to the, uh, to, to our landing page. And guess what? They all bounced off and nobody went, went further because the messaging was pretty crap and we had lots of things to learn.
0: Ah, what's one of those things that you needed to learn in retrospect?
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, getting your value proposition, right. And, uh, you know, we were spending a lot of time considering, you know, the whole process rather than just taking an initiative and taking step by step and seeing how people went through the flow. And, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was quite a lesson.
0: Who are you targeting?
1: We were targeting uh, consumers uh, who were on uh, sites like eBay and um, they were they were the main uh, target. So we were able to get those onto the site, but then, you know, things like uh, them having confidence in us, um, you know, shipping their goods around the place, uh, giving us money, et cetera, because, you know, you think their consumers are buying up somebody secondhand. Uh, so there's a lot of things that we had to kind of work out in our messaging. Um uh, proof points um lots of stuff that, i don't understand it, why yeah. rory
0: um and I, I think i wonder if it's because i'm not following the early days it seems to me like all you're doing is or all you were doing back then is connecting somebody who was using a service like craigslist right um yeah with a shipper why does anyone need to trust you all you're doing is collecting payments for the ship and then routing them to the right shipping company right or were you taking possession of their Yeah, but I mean, they were
1: looking at the brand Scurry, okay. and it wasn't UPS, and they'd never heard of us. Mm. Um, but weren't you connecting so, them with yeah.
0: UPS or DHL or anyone else?
1: We were connecting them with them, but at the first stage, the first stage where they landed on the page, it was us. It was our branding, and this is all ah. the stuff that we learned uh, as as we we're going. Yeah, so yeah, it, it it was a you know, it was very much a learning process.
0: Got it. So consumers, even though they see that you will connect them with these bigger brands, they still don't trust you. And it's not enough to have those brands, logos on your site to build trust. Okay. What did you do to get
1: over that? So what we did to get over that was again, usual stuff about, you know, putting up, uh, you know, examples of people who had used their service, uh, testimonials, uh, you know, we were being kind of, I think probably too clever with the um you know kind of uh, short form you know very clean kind of uh, website and we found that a kind of more longer form mm. with you know plenty of descriptions plenty of examples and even sometimes the photography stock that we use we found that you know stuff that we thought it looked really well um probably didn't work so well more kind of natural photographs and stock images kind of tended to work better so we, when when Eric helped us with, you know, the kind of experimentation, we started to experiment with lots of different um, processes. And you know, what I found is I became quite agnostic about web design. It was more about, you know, well, what worked, what actually worked in terms of data rather than what I, I preferred by looking at it, you know?
0: Yeah. Okay. And so you started experimenting more and more to get people on the site in the early days. Part of what you did was you just reached out to friends and friends of friends, right? What was your approach?
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that was uh, to get the initial jobs, to get the initial kind of uh, the, uh, the initial um, testimonials, et cetera, on the website. We would have re- reached out to friends, family, anybody that we, we knew to, you know, do you want to use the, this service? Got on the phone as well to kind of get people going, did anything we could to get people onto the site. And, um, you know, it was a gradual process, but the more that you got people to use it, First few, you know, it was this huge excitement when we got the first couple of people on on there and actually to book something. Got a few more. You 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 know, begged them for a testimonial. You put that up and you started to build uh, the confidence in uh, and I uh, suppose the uh, you know you you found what worked and what didn't work.
0: And essentially, what you were doing was what the local shipping store. There's one right on Mission Street here in San Francisco where I bring them a thing, and unlike the UPS store, or the FedEx store. They will not just package it for me, but they'll also say, UPS will charge this much. FedEx charges that much. If you use USPS, you charge that much. Let's decide which one makes the most sense for you, and we'll use that. That's what you were essentially doing for them.
1: Exactly. That's exactly what we were doing. All done remotely.
0: And then your money was, what, charging on top of it? or We were charging on top of it, yeah, taking a cut on it, yeah. All right, and all this was done to consumers who are dueling, who were selling to each other using like a Craigslist or, or eBay type of sites. In fact, it wasn't Craigslist. What's the name of the site in Ireland that you were using?
1: Yeah, Done Deal. It's actually bigger than eBay, uh, or certainly was bigger than eBay in those days, and it was called Done Deal, but very much the Craigslist type of uh, you know site. All right. So, so far
0: all you were doing is just kind of figuring things out. Then you say, I think we've got a messaging that works. We understand what the photos look like. We understand how to give people a sense of confidence in us. It's time to get a bigger flow of customers. I think the natural thing for many people to do is to say, let's start advertising. You did something I think that is not natural, but makes total sense. You went to done deal and you started talking to them. How far away was done deal from you? How far was their office?
1: Yeah, they weren't too far. They were about maybe, yeah, uh, maybe 30 miles or something. So not so far. So that was advantageous. We could get access to the uh, you know to the to the management team and got to talk to the founder. Did you show up at, act- at their office? Yeah, at their office. Yeah. You just out of the blue or did you schedule a, a meeting? Well, I think I I called them out of the blue. Uh, kind of made uh, a few contacts to people that I knew, and then we ended up getting to the uh, getting to the office for a meeting. Yeah. Okay. And what was your pitch? Uh, our pitch was basically that you know, there uh, you know we we knew from our own purchasing and our friends and the research that we've done that you know you were limited if you were a buyer uh, on on a classified site to the distance you could drive. So, you know, they were missing out on sales uh, for the, um, you know, the goods that were outside of the driving distance so that we could put together a transportation solution for them. They were going to have uh, more sales on the site, more success, more ads.
0: That makes a lot of sense. In fact, Craigslist doesn't do that here in the US, which means that I've never bought anything on Craigslist that I couldn't drive over and pick up or have somebody drive over and pick up. And I've never sold anything that I wouldn't take over. Meanwhile, one of the things that I noticed is in San Francisco, prices are higher. If you just go over the Golden Gate or over the Bay Bridge, (laughs) prices are significantly lower but I don't need the agitative going over there. And I keep saying maybe one day when I drive out, I might do nah, it's not worth it. And so what you're doing is saying, Why should that disparity be there? It doesn't cost that much. We'll find a way. You partnered up, you offered it to Dundeal. How would you integrate in with them? What was your plan?
1: Yeah. So originally we thought, you know, we might uh, integrate and do a you know an API integration, but the Dundee team didn't have a lot of time. They kind of gave us Uh, you know, kind of said, okay, sounds like a great idea, but how can we do this low, lowest touch possible? So they basically gave us a banner uh, on the side and we, we kind of uh, faked the done deal site to make it look like it was an integration on the banner. And uh, so we basically put, made it look like it was a deep integration, but it was actually using the banner uh, as a step into our website.
0: Sounds like they read Lean Startup or actually Eric Reese's blog back then. The book
1: hadn't been I, I really I, listened to him. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it sounds like, so this is you doing it again on their platform. How did that work out when it's just a banner? I wouldn't have thought that people would, would look at banners even.
1: Yeah. Well, the banner just looked like it was a delivery uh, plug-in or a delivery solution on the side of the ad. So when you went into the ad and the side banner, it wow. just, you know, it, it had a narrow pointing to it. it said, you you know, if you wish to get this delivered, you know, you'll click here. And then we were able to drag uh, the um, the title of the goods and the photograph into our site. So it appeared that it stepped you know, into the Done Deal site uh, further, but it was actually our site and uh, we were able to go from there. Yeah, it's just uh, worked really well.
0: Done Deal, by the way, is designed a lot nicer than Craigslist. And it still has a lot of the same things as Craigslist. Like you can, I think, even buy some baby uh, stuff, you like a, a, a new rocker or something. But the interesting thing for me about Dundeal the is they have a whole farming section where you yeah. can get farm sheds. You can, I think you could buy poultry
1: on there. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it's huge in the farming and the agricultural community. It's absolutely massive. Uh, cars, um, the agricultural side, and um, the, um, yeah, just general kind of Craigslist stuff. Yeah,
0: here it is. I could get hens, 12th yeah. uh, generation farmers. Wow. We actually what? shipped
1: a parish once. So yeah, you we actually had a- yeah, we we allowed we allowed uh, shippers to sign up as well. So we had all kinds of shippers, not just parcel shippers. People who would ship boats and uh, people who would ship livestock. So actually, one of the uh, one of the items that are uh, livestock that we shipped was actually a parrot. So uh, we had this guy who shipped animals, and he came and collected a parrot for somebody, and you know brought it to the other side of the country.
0: Wow, wow, that is a benefit that you can't get over at the local shipping store here. Yeah. All right. Let me tell you about Send and Blue, and then I want to find out about that difficult moment when you came home and what you found your family doing. But you probably, Rory, I don't think you've heard of Send and Blue. Am I right about that?
1: No, I hadn't heard of it before. They're a
0: fairly large company, but they're now making inroads into the US and they're also making inroads into com- companies like mine. What they're trying, like the ones in my audience, one of the big advantages that they have is they say, look, you sign up for a lot of these other email service providers where you'll get to send out email. They might hook you in with a free price. Come in, try it for free. Then when your email list starts to get significantly big, the price becomes astronomical. And you always think, well, later on, I'll deal with it. It's not going to be a big issue. You'll move over. Number one, it's harder to move over than it than it seems. Number two, the price rockets up and everybody cares about, about spending too much money but you're kind of locked in send and blue says, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to start low and we're going to keep it low. And so their prices are low beyond that though. One of the big problems that people have Rory, is, you don't want to keep a big set of email uh, addresses in your email list, even when people unsubscribe, because a lot of these mailing services will charge you based on the people in the database, even if you don't want to mail to them because they've unsubscribed. Even if all you're doing is saving it in there so that you know they unsubscribe, so that you remember what they did in the past in case they resubscribe again, these services will charge you. We've all been there. If you have an email list, you're paying for thousands, sometimes tens of thousands of people who you're not mailing to just because that's the way the service providers work. Sendinblue says, forget that. We're not going to do it. A lot of the email services say, well, we're only going to let you send out email. And if you want, to do automation, that's a whole other uh, whole other issue. And we may not even support full automation. Sendinblue says, absolutely. Automation is part of it. We'll include automation. Some of these email providers say, we are email service providers. They won't go beyond email. Sendinblue says, why not? Text is becoming so big that sometimes it's effective, Rory, to send both. I have this one company. They're so, so freaking effective. They will send me email and text. The text messages feel like they're coming from this one guy. In fact, my phone, my iPhone keeps saying, I forget the name of the guy, but it, my iPhone keeps saying, it seems like this is from this one person because even the iPhone feels like this is a personal message. Well, to do that, Tony, that's what it is. I just looked to be able cool. to do that, to send text messages and email and to sometimes say if someone hasn't opened up the email, maybe send a text message sometimes, right? To Do all that should be built in. And that's what Sendin Blues says. They're going to connect everything, give you full on automation, give you full Free that's truly free and very, very generous where you don't have to pay. And then if you want to start paying, the price will actually be incredibly low because it doesn't cost that much to send out emails. Some of my friends have created these email marketing companies and they say, look, this, it costs us fractions of pennies to do this. All right, so if you're curious about Send in blue and you want to try them out, I'm going to let you, anyone in my audience, go and use them right now for free. All you have to do is go to sendinblue.com Mixergy. Sendinblue.com Mixergy. They've got phenomenal ratings. They have not entered the startup space that is in my world, but they are now coming in with a force, and I urge you to go try them out. Sendinblue.com Mixergy to get to use them for free right now. One of the stories that you told Ari is about, yeah, the way you had a great job. You come home and you see your family, your wife, your kids huddled in bed together. Where, where was this and what hap- why were they doing that?
1: Yeah, I mean, at one stage, uh, I was spending a lot of time in the UK. So we had started to look into the UK market. And I was uh, spending maybe four or five days a week in the UK and I came home and uh, you know things were tight at that stage because you know we literally pumped all of our cash into the business and uh, my wife and the kids we four kids were in the bed and I said yeah hey you know it's five o'clock in the the evening what's going on and wife said oh well you know we don't have money for heating at the moment Um, so we're just kind of you know kind of sitting in the bed here to keep warm and I went oh my god what the hell am I doing. Uh, at this stage
0: why why did you continue with the business at that stage
1: just as such we just had and it's not just me my wife as well had such a belief in you know what we were doing uh, we saw that there was a you know this problem and um, we really felt that uh, we could make it and um, you know I have a fantastic wife uh, fantastic support she you know while I was away was participating and you know building the business with me and um you know um she's been a fantastic uh, support and i couldn't absolutely couldn't have done this uh, done this without her um uh, but you know she had that faith as well that's you know because you
0: saw the vision of what this could be it just it just made sense that the world would need this
1: is that it Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We, and you know, we said we were going to do it. And if we said we were going to do it, we were going to do it. You know You know what, that's the thing that comes across in, in my
0: research review, the word stubborn use good and bad, right? You've used it about yourself. <laughs> yeah. Give me an example of something that you do where you say, I said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And in the end you say, I only did it because I'm stubborn, but you accept that that's who you are. Is there some other aspect of your life where you're stubborn like that?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I I, I started, uh, you know, I started um, training one time and said, look, I want to get back running. Uh, I want to do a bit of running. One of my friends was cycling, said, cycle. And I joined the trackland club, and then somebody said, you know what, we should do it. You know, we should do an Ironman, and I, I wasn't great at <laughs> swimming. And I just went, oh, OK, yeah, let's do that. And then, you know, I kind of had said that I was going to do it. So, so I can't really back out now. So I had to go back and learn how to swim properly because I was just barely able to do two lengths of a pool. And I had to go back and start. And 18 months later, I finished finished the Ironman. Like, I did it. Like, you know, it was just, uh, I just said, hey, I'm not just giving up. I gave up. You know, I like having occasional drink. Uh, you know, yeah. kind of my whole lifestyle. Give up, uh, you know, alcohol, and just uh, kept going until like until I finished it. Yeah.
0: And you know what i've got to say to say i finished an iron man is a significant thing to even say i finished a marathon is not that significant because they'll let anyone finish right you could take as much time as you want there are people who literally days after the new york city marathon is done will finish and they in many ways will get headlines because here's the last person to do it so the day after or a few days after iron man they have a severe cutoff and that means that you've got off, to finish yeah. a marathon run the equivalent of a marathon bike ride over 100 miles two mile swim. So marathons in three different sports. Okay, I get that. I also want to understand a little bit more about your background. You are someone who comes from kind of an entrepreneurial family in the sense that your grandmother had some kind of store and you worked in it. What's the store that she had?
1: Yeah she just had a like corner store like um just a like, corner store um sweet we call it you know sweet shop in ireland or um but uh she yeah. sold you know sweets and cigarettes and uh yeah it was a small store kind of in a small town in Ireland. And, you know, it's one of those places where just all the locals kind of hung out. Um, those stores are gone or, you know, yeah. in a lot of cases are gone now. They're replaced by multiple 7-Eleven types now, but it was just where, you know, kind of local people just came in, could spend a half an hour chatting to my grandmom and, uh, you know, maybe buy a pack of cigarettes or, you know, a bar of chocolate or something like that.
0: I used to see those all over the world in Israel, in Eastern Europe, and they're like almost built into the into the apartment buildings at times, right? And different depends on the country. They're just a part of the community. And the person might even be able to come in and ask to buy something and then pay the next day. It's that kind of like.
1: Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, yeah. That's yeah.
0: shocking. I used to just walk around with a cup of coffee, which is a very American thing to do, with a cup of coffee, looking at different stores as I walk through neighborhoods when I'm in a new city. You would stay in with your grandmother. Your mom would just leave you in the store nine nine in the morning, ten o'clock at night. You'd be she'd be running the store and you'd sit there. Not getting Yeah, my, my
1: like my grandma would, would start at nine in the morning, um, she'd finish at 10, you know, 10 at night, take a 30 minute break and, you know, in, in, in the middle. And that was it. And she, I think she took, you know, Christmas day off and maybe one other day during the year. It was just like, that was, that was it. And, it, you know, again, it wasn't work for her. It was just what she did. Like, and she, she uh, retired when she was 91. So she, oh. she, she shut the shop when she was 91 years of age.
0: My dad had a store and we work seven days a week in the store that was selling clothes. And whenever I see people talk about how bad the hustle culture is and it's too bad that people have to work so many hours, I think, do you know how my dad and I and my little brother and sister would stay in that freaking store standing up all day long and we didn't think of it as a difficult thing to do. Now I get to be in the lap of luxury. I'm on the couch with my laptop. You're calling that painful hustle culture culture?
1: Absolutely. I mean, it, it is a, you know, it is a dose of reality when you see something like that to actually know what the, and and, and she didn't look at it as, you know, as, as being difficult. It was, she, she thought she was blessed in lots of ways that she had opportunities that her, others didn't have. The only challenge, the only
0: difference is my dad would be able to bring me into his store and we would just kind of chat and look at each other and he'd see what I was doing. I don't yet fully know how to bring my kids into my work, especially since my oldest is six years old, the youngest is four years old, so I don't know how to do it. But I wouldn't mind if we could work all day if the kids were included in it somehow, and didn't just see me staring at a screen the way that they might stare at a screen when they're doing some kind of video watching. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah. Have you thought I do, of that? yeah yeah and that's the you know because that was great for me is you know you could serve people behind that counter i'm sure you did you'd serve people you talk to them you yeah. learned about yeah you learned about people uh they told you stories yeah it was great i love you talk those.
0: to adults you know in a way yeah. where you're formal you're in charge right you have to answer their questions all right and then from there by the way you ended up working for um what is it called? It's called Waterford Wedgwood. That's the Waterford Crystal company, right? I got their scotch glasses. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. You then, right. What else? Give me just a quick like background on you. I know you worked at AOL for a little bit.
1: Yeah. So I worked in what I started in Waterford Crystal. um, So I worked in various sales and marketing roles. And at one stage uh, um, I ended up uh, working on a kind of technology project did did that pretty well and, uh, you know, ended up on the tech bus basically. So uh, my boss asked me to help uh, implement an SAP project. And there was a great guy who had been brought in from Apple to set up that uh, project team. That's how I kind of got involved in in technology. And this was Um, partially
0: them saying, does technology even make sense to us? They weren't going all in because they knew the future was in tech, right? Or Sorry, you say that again. My sense was that this was them saying, "Let's evaluate the internet. Let's see if this makes sense for our business." Yeah. Right, and you were part of the "Let's evaluate to see if it makes sense for our business." And we're talking about 19, when was this? Uh, early two thousands, right?
1: Early two thousands. Yeah, we were asking that question: Should we be on the internet? We've got partners who are kind of you know dabbling in the internet. Sales are starting. And the questions were, you know, even like could crystal be sold on the internet? You know, we were asking right. these, these, these questions. Uh, could it be sold sustainably? You know, there was a small niche, you know, number of customers who were selling at the time. Um, was this going to happen? Was it going to grow? Yeah, we were asking those questions. Yeah. You know, what? just when I think
0: it's a natural, everyone should be, of course. I remember what a friend of mine told me about working with Rolex as a client they wanted to be, I forget the phrase, it was something like delightfully out of reach. They did not want customer service to be at your beck and call. They did not want you to be able to go on the site and order and demand anything you wanted. And so that bit of mystique of inaccessibility of of a wall, I get it, and of course, if you're selling glass, if you're selling crystal, if you're selling cups, if you're selling anything fragile, there's a, there's an extra element there too. So I understand why they would evaluate. They ended up getting, they ended up, I'm sure, saying yes to it. And then yeah, right? And then you also said yes to internet. You decided that you were going to go work for what I see on your LinkedIn profile. You're a program manager at, at AOL. And then uh, soon after that, you discover the problem as we talked about. Okay, so now you're continuing with done deal. Things are going great. This little experiment of yours is working well. How tightly integrated did you get into Done Deal?
1: Yeah, we got in very integrated. I mean, we were seeing great volumes coming through. Um, the business was starting to take off. People were getting interested in what we were doing. And um, yeah, we were we were quite integrated. So we were working on a, you know, weekly basis with the Done Deal team and everything, you know, seemed to be going well for a while, yeah.
0: All right. So then you're saying, I think this makes sense. And at some point you realize it doesn't make sense because what Dundeal is doing is taking two consumers and letting them ship fr- uh, products from one to the other. Tell yes. me how you realized, even though this was working for you, that you needed to shift to working with businesses who are reaching consumers instead of talking to consumers who are reaching consumers.
1: So there's two two aspects to, you know, what as we started to scale, we started to see problems. So one was, uh, the first problem was that we weren't just shipping parcels, so we were shipping lots of different uh, types of products. And each of those products had, you know, different characteristics. So shipping a parcel is not the same as shipping a pallet. Uh, it's not the same as shipping a parrot or anything like that. They're all different infrastructures. So those parts of the business all work separately. And we had a lot of uh, companies who were much smaller. And in fact, the operators, a lot of the operators who were shipping our products were maybe one man band or they had a you know small number of uh, trucks or, or, or del- delivery vans. And the quality and service wasn't, tremendously great. So in a lot of cases, some of these people may have been, you know, working with the bigger companies and decided that, you know, they weren't able to meet their standards or didn't want to meet their standards or whatever. So, you know, we had things where people were expecting deliveries and, you know, you'd ring up the guy and he was gone to the races for the day. This has actually happened. And, you know, people had dropped stuff on the curbside and not rang the doorbell and all kinds of stuff like this. So the quality um, was hard to manage and we had very little margin um, to, you know, to actually kind of work on that. Uh, and the second thing is we were talking to consumers that maybe, you know, if I was shipping my Ally wheels, my rims today, um, could be six months or nine months before I'm buying something on the equivalent of Craigslist and done deal again. So my lifetime value or my repeat purchase was was low.
0: Okay. So, tell me about the stubborn part. You're a stubborn person we talked about. You're somebody who sticks on. Why weren't you willing to switch or how did the stubbornness play into your decision-making?
1: Yeah. I mean, I probably should have made a decision quicker, you know, on hindsight, but you know, you have to blend the sticking wishes and, you know, kind of uh, giving it enough time with the um, you know, with that kind of stubbornness, I suppose, of actually spending too long. So in hindsight, looking at it, we probably spent too long, um, trying different options to make it work rather than making a big pivot. And so we tried lots of experiments and different options and probably we should have made a big, bigger pivot sooner. And, because um, it's
0: hard to get rid of this thing that's working. If you feel like a tweak here or a change there could make it work. Exactly, to make it pay off, okay. Why couldn't you say, "Let's stick with consumers, but at the same time, add this other element? And if the other element makes significantly more profit or can cover the rest of the business and we can we can say no to consumers, why not make that type of transition?
1: And we could we could have, but we're, I think what we found in the first phase is that focus, you know when we try to, bite off too much and having too many delivery options to too many different types of disparate deliveries, um, it made it more complicated. So, you know, what we learned from that process is focus. We said that, hey, if we keep what we have and we don't, you know, focus entirely on the pivot, we're probably always going to be just kind of going back to that and hoping that it would, that it would work and depending on it and using it as a crutch. So we actually made a bold decision to actually drop that and to focus on uh, an area that we felt might work, which was moving more to a B2B um, solution. Uh, we had seen customers come in on the platform who were smaller businesses and uh, were starting to use our service and getting a lot of value. We're getting a lot of repeat purchase from it. And uh, the economics were much better.
0: Was there someone on the outside who said, Rory, I want you to pay attention to this thing instead of continuing in the direction? There was. Who was that person and how did they do it?
1: Yeah, it was a guy from, uh, he was working with eBay at the time, Vinny O'Brien. And uh, uh, Vinny said to me, you know, Rory, just have a look at the uh, UK market. Um, You know, it's underserved there. I think what you're doing and your team is great, Um, but just have a look at the B2B market over here. ebay was starting to get deeper into b2b at the time and uh, you know he was paying a lot of attention to that area and he said look just take a close look at that i would urge you because i think you've got a great potential of what you have there um and there's a there's a there's a gap in the marketplace
0: all right um let me talk about my second sponsor and then come back into this by the way my second sponsor is, is hostgator i talk about them for hosting every kind of website they also allow people to host uh, Online stores, I'm looking this up right now. They are the most popular, as far as I can see right here, the most popular, um, excuse me, WordPress using WooCommerce is the most popular shopping platform. I have no idea. WooCommerce, wow. Let me ask you this, Rory. If someone were to think about an online store, I think they could use some inspiration for what's working. Tell me about some of the things that people, um, some of your customers are selling right now that we might not expect and that might trigger an idea in someone's head, and maybe send them over to HostGator to sign up for hosting.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've got say, uh, dog food is—we've uh, got a dog food supplier, and uh, dog food and uh, pets. You know, it's probably the, the dearest uh, joint or piece of beef that you'll ever buy. Is uh, you know, dog food. Um, you know, we spend more on our pets than we do on ourselves in terms of food. what oh, you're and, saying
0: pound for pound people are spending more on meat for their dog than for themselves yeah i hadn't thought of it that way but it, it makes sense, right? First of all, dogs, unless you've got a, a big dog, they don't need that much. And if you want them to live longer, this is an easy thing to do. You can't send them to a spa. You're not doing other stuff. Oh, imagine if someone's listening to this. Those, and
1: pouches says, that, those pouches you see in the pet store, yep. you know, and how small they are. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, um, it, it, it's, it's amazing. So pet pets are, you know, pet food has been huge. It's uh, increased dramatically in the, during the pandemic we've seen, DIY, um, you know, garden homewares, uh, you know, exponential growth. Um, yeah, I mean, those, those areas have been huge in the last in, in in the last while. You know what?
0: I wonder. I was going to say it's not like you can give your pets vitamins, but I wonder if you could. And why aren't there vitamins for pets? And yeah. the nice thing about vitamins for pets is smaller pot product, right? So you don't have to spend a lot on shipping. High value, right? And then it's a daily habit vitamins for pets. That would be a great idea. Don't you think Rory?
1: I think so. Because there's definitely vitamins for horses. I've heard of that before. So there's vitamins of that for performance for, you know, to help horses with joint pain and stuff like that. So I'm sure that's the next stage. I think we've cracked something there. Right.
0: Plus every human being seems to be, you know, going out and buying vitamins for themselves. You should see the shelf that my wife has of all these herbal this and that, right? And if you're doing it for yourself, why wouldn't you think? All right. Listen to me, people, whether it's that idea or any one of the other ideas I brought up in these past interviews, or frankly, one of your own, the beauty about hosts gator is they make it so easy to spin up a website why am i even using the word spin up it's like a hard disk i think because everyone else says it they just one click press a button another click say you want woocommerce boom you're up and running try it out if you don't like it toss it out you'll learn something in the process that will allow you then to feed your next idea and your next idea and your next idea hostgator makes it incredibly fast incredibly inexpensive and also incredibly reliable i've been using hostgator to host mixergy you people did not even notice when i made the transition but I did because the site still works. It works super fast and I save a bunch of money because HostGator is really low. And if you use my URL, it'll be even lower for you than it is for others. HostGator.com slash Mixergy. All right. When you made the transition, did you have to start finding... You First of all, you had to say no to the consumer business. Talk about what you had to do to... What, what stopping it was. And then where did you get the new customers and what was it like to turn up the new business?
1: Uh, yeah. So the... The... Existing customers, you know, we just, you know, bit the bullish, we contacted our existing customers, uh, emailed them, you know, just told them that we were going to be closing down the service over a period of time, was pretty short over, you know, a couple of weeks. Um, We... Had one B two B customer that we needed to really focus on. That we had an opportunity. They had they'd given us uh, four weeks to get uh, an integration done, and um, so you know it really meant that we put all hands to the pump. So everybody just uh, you know, got excited about it, and uh, we got focused on it. So I don't think there was huge drama once we made the decision. That was it. You know, we just kind of focused on what we needed to do. And um, yeah, we told our existing customers and we got cracking at it. And we launched in the four weeks. We got a you know label out for the, for the customer. We probably spent the rest of the year. So I remember that was June. And uh, we probably spent the rest of the year kind of patching it up and making sure that it worked uh, and, and getting it sorted out. But uh, yeah, we, we managed to get uh, a, a quick win in there and got the confidence building again. Yeah.
0: You know what? Was, my next line of questioning was going to be, why didn't you sell that part of the business? Why didn't you transition? Why didn't you find a way to put one person on it to hold on to it? But all those things, all those questions are about how do you hold on to the thing that's not working or get some value out of it? And, and that becomes a distraction from finding the thing that is or pursuing the thing that you know makes sense, right? Exactly. That's, that's a mistake that I'm making even in questioning, and it's it's a mistake we make in business all the time.
1: It is. I mean, you know, the one thing that I keep learning and even at, at at what we decided to do, we probably needed to even focus more in later years. We found that, you know, it was even that was, was too wide. So, you know, you've got to really be hyper-focused on, you know, what's the problem you're solving? Who are you solving it for? Can you make that as, you know, kind of sustained, as, as, as kind of uh, clear as possible? Because then it gets easier. The more Strands you have on it. When you get into becoming a larger business, you can add on, you can expand your time, you can build on. But when you have the resources, when you scarce resources and you have to kind of uh, you know prove what you're doing, uh, I think you know being very focused is is really really key.
0: So where do you get your customer? Where'd you get the customers in the early days of going B two B?
1: Yeah. So that meant that was the time we went back, um, you know, and and I started going back over to the UK. I just initially we were trying to sell, you know, kind of remotely. Um, it was difficult. Uh, I was making an occasional trip, but uh, just decided, look, again, all in. So uh, kind of got, got on a plane, got a flat in London. I went over to London and kind of spent the week there. And, you know, it just went to everything that was related to e-commerce, uh, whether it was uh, you know, a show, whether it was a talk, whether it was, you know, a Magento meetup, whether it was, you know, WooCommerce meetup, just went to everything. And um, you know what? The e-commerce, you know, community is not massive, even though, you know, UK is a pretty large country, but the, the community is not massive. And within six months, you kind of got to know, you know, some, you know, most of the major players and you started to build relationships and started to get customers.
0: So I'm looking you up in Semrush to get a sense of where your traffic is. It's still 73% in Ireland, right, and 20% in the UK and five in the US. Does that sound right?
1: Yeah, but I, I, that's our traffic to our, I suppose, site. to our our site. So there's a huge amount of interest, I suppose, in the um, in the company from Ireland. Um, our We've got 90% of our customers are UK-based, are UK so our customer oh, okay. base is about 95%. So
0: it's a lot of people coming to your site because Irish Pride, this is a company in Ireland that started that's doing well. We want to understand Recruiting,
1: it. we yeah, Recruiting. PR, yeah, kind of, kind of that stuff. Uh, yeah. Got
0: it, got it. And then, of course, uh, people, your customers, customers, the big traffic is not going to be on your
1: site, or is it? Uh, so our customers, customers, yeah, and that's another point. Some of our, yeah, some of our white label customers come to our site, and we've got big white label customers in Ireland. So our, our, there's a lot of volume of customers. Smaller customers come to, on our white label product come to our site, uh, whereas our larger kind of mid market customers would be coming um, would would not come to our site, go, go to the uh, uh, their own site. Yeah. What is they that? What's API. the
0: white label part of your product?
1: Yeah, so we have a white label. So we have a user interface that uh, we generally, our, our product, uh, we sell it directly to customers that are you know kind of mid-range, so it's mid-market, but we sell a white label product to customers who would have thousands and thousands of customers. So we have customers with 7,000, 5,000. 5,000 yeah, stores. Yeah, Exactly.
0: Oh, so again, you're not going direct necessarily to businesses, just like you did before with the classified business where you found the main partner and they got you customers. You're doing the same thing now. You're finding people who have online stores and then you sell to them. They expand to their thousands of customers. What types of businesses have that kind of access to to online stores?
1: eBay say so ebay would oh, be another okay. one of our customers so ebay uses uh you know this scurry technology so they use our api it's their front end and uh they uh they use it we've also the irish postal service uh, on post actually use our uh, use our service how
0: would you get ebay and the irish postal service
1: uh yeah again this was going to these meetups uh you know meeting meetups. people at these uh yeah yeah I met I met the uh, the Irish postal guys in 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 the UK would you believe it so I met them at conferences because they're selling into the UK market so I met the, you know those guys in the UK
0: and then you're just getting to know them befriending them and then relationships happen from there
1: exactly yeah
0: wow how many of how much of your of your time or how many days a year would you say you were traveling at your height
1: uh, I was in the UK forty-two
0: weeks out of fifty-two. Oh wow. Okay. And now it seems like you're cutting back. Am I right? Well, first of all, COVID said stay home.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also I haven't been I haven't been outside of the county in a in I I haven't been outside of the county in a year, not the same. How's that been uh, for you? You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, how's that been? Uh, but yeah. The last couple of years, I haven't been traveling so much. But yeah, I'd be traveling two weeks, two weeks a month, maybe or something like that. Yeah.
0: But also this interview usually would happen, let's say at the earliest, an hour later than we started. You asked to do it earlier. I said, no problem. And I'm glad I did it. But what I've noticed is when people ask for that, it's generally because they're at a point in their lives when they need more family time that it seems like you're at a point. Am I right about that? Is there like a rule at your family dinner time? We're all together. Is there something like that?
1: there is yeah we 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 try our best now because again you know i was away for you know the the, the previous 10 years i kind of spend a lot of that time away so you know i'm a bit more precious about my my own personal time now and yeah we have a, we have things like that about trying to be together for dinner etc as much as as much as possible
0: scurry was founded 2010 you've been at this for over a decade you ever feel like everyone else is selling after seven years becoming unicorn? What am I still doing here? Or you're, you're still good on it.
1: I'm still good on it. I mean, yeah, again, it's like, it, it's, it's like the, it's like the Ironman, you know, I'm in it for the distance and, uh, you know, have a vision and I yeah. think, um, you know, it, we can see, I can see the progress now we had a, probably a difficult start. Um, kind of made, went on the wrong direction. The bit of the stubbornness, uh, you know, kind of, uh, cost us maybe a year or two, but, uh, no, I think, you know, and, and and the industry that we're in actually, what we're doing, it's it's not massively complex in terms of rocket science, but it it does require a bit of patience. Plugging in these carriers are difficult. Uh, there's no standards in the industry. It's a lot of, uh, you know, you've got to find out, you've got to work it out. There's no manual out there. There's no, you know, you, 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 so it, it's taken us a bit of time to kind of develop the capabilities that we have. We believe that that's a bit of a moat now because we've done the hard yards. We put the time in, we understand it, and it gives us a bit of a moat.
0: All right. So when we started this interview and I asked you millions in revenue, obviously millions in revenue. Can you give me a sense without like violating your own your own rules of what you can say of where revenue is are we talking tens of millions? Can you say if it's over forty, over twenty any anything that's even a, a wide range would give us a sense of how far it's come
1: um I can give you it, it's it's just you know I can say that it's between at uh, the end of this year it'll be between you know kind of five and ten.
0: Okay. That so, gives us a sense of it. And yeah. how many years did it take for it to, to actually click in where you felt like, okay, this business now makes sense. Now we need to grow what we have built. We, we made sense of it up until here. Now we need to grow it. How many years did that take?
1: In In reality, you know, from, from 2010 to 14, we were on the old model. So it took us then 2014 to 16 to build the new the new model. So really it's from 2016. So in reality, you know, kind of look at it that, you know, we learned a lot from the early days, but, you know, we had to throw out the entire code base. We had to start all over again. You know, it, it really was uh, almost a complete new start. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I look at it that it's a to 16 with a lot of learning in the, you know, in the, pre- in the previous few years before that, yeah. All right,
0: let's close it out with this then. What's what's next? Are you I'm assuming you're doing this interview with me because you're thinking about more expansion in the US or is there something else?
1: Just more on a, you know, a more expansion on a global basis. So we've seen phenomenal growth this year. Our growth has been absolutely phenomenal. I think it's the base that we've put in. So we're looking at uh, we're looking at growth in, you know, a couple of different areas. Uh, we're looking at uh, Europe, and then looking at potentially strategic partnerships into the uh, into the US, um, the US, I think, again, we found that working with partners like we discussed in, our, in the interview already has been really beneficial for us. So, you know, if we find the right partner in the in the US, I think that's the way that we will go.
0: All right. That's the biggest takeaway for me from this interview. Well, actually, there are a bunch. Here's what I got. Number one, listen to Eric Reese. Even so many years later, I feel like Eric has receded. He's now creating the long-term stock market, right? He decided that that's his focus. So he's not out there championing these lean startup ideas. And in many cases, people have accepted them. But I think the vocal people who are talking about lean startups are the ones who are disagreeing with it. And they feel like they can make a point and a name for themselves by arguing with the thing that that's working. But his ideas made sense for you and they continue to make sense, start out small, put a minimum viable product out there and then build out on it. So that's the first thing that I've got from you. Number two, when somebody comes in with a new idea that makes sense, be open to it. Even if you're already so far invested the way you were in creating your full product and creating a payment process and selling it. Good ideas make sense. Jump on them. Um, Number three focus right and so you could have done what many people I, I have to say my instinct is often to hold on to too many things but you didn't you said we're going to stop the consumer business focus and go all in on the b2b business and that made a dramatic difference that's that's what made the world a difference in your business right
1: yeah and probably could have done that faster to be honest you know but uh, yeah focus definitely i think is is key
0: all right, the website for anyone who wants to go check it out, it's scurry, S C U R R I.com. Scurry.com. And I want to thank the two sponsors who made this interview happen. The first, if you need email marketing software, you have to go and check out send in blue, do your research, look at them up, look them up online, see all the reviews, you will find that they are not just free to get started, but also their price remains low and their features are strong. And because they don't charge you for every email address in their system, you're going to want to keep more of your email addresses in their system, which means you have greater insights into who your customers are. And you won't start getting stingy and say, let's delete all these contacts, which is such a painful thing to do if you've got an email, uh, an email list, but just about every email software requires you to delete it if you want to save money. All right. Anyway, go check them out. sendinbluecom slash Mixergy. And finally, if you're selling dog vitamins or anything else, go to hostgator.com slash Mixergy. You'll do yourself a favor and your business a favor. It'll be strong. And, and I look forward to interviewing people who do that. Roy, how great would it be if three years from now we do an interview with an entrepreneur? She says, I, I heard about vitamins for dogs. I did yeah. it, Andrew. It was a crazy idea that I just did for fun. Turned out it made sense. All right. Thanks, Rory. Good evening and bye.